Welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football. Brought to you by Phenom Elite. I am Tim Capper, along with John Stark. Hey, John, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Tim? I'm doing good. Even though in this uh, this weird time that we have in the world, it's uh, it's always a good time to you know to sort of put our minds at ease and just to just to talk about and hear about the the history of arena football from the players and from the executives who who took part in the league, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, catching up with all these guys is great. Um, we want to thank everybody who listened to the uh, Joe O'Hara uh, interview. Um, it was, I know as I mentioned at the end of the, 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 the episode last time, that it was just absolutely amazing and just to hear the information. But uh, this episode, John, uh, we have a gentleman who I think uh, not necessarily that uh, older guys who follow the league from from the beginning may know who he is, obviously, but uh, uh, I think more recent fans uh, of the AFL will know who this guy is, right? Uh, who who do we have this episode? We have former Philadelphia Soul head coach Clint Dolzell. Great! It's uh, it'd be great speaking with Clint and finding out about his history and. Um, just like the last episode with uh, uh, with uh, Commissioner O'Hara, um, John, we, we we found out some very interesting things, and that I'm I was surprised to hear. But uh, I, I'm hoping the fans will, will love to hear about the history uh, of him within the within the AFL. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, these are the types of stories that you wish you had time to talk with each other about during the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I completely agree. Actually, it's, that's, that's a good way of putting it because it's yeah. you actually get to hear more about them now. And we're, we're obviously continuing with uh, our, our historical look at the AFL, but we're also uh, making sure that we keep keep this league alive for as long as we can because, you know, with uh, the memories that we have, uh, it, it's good to hear stories from, from everybody from across the league. So um, obviously uh, Ben was not able to be with us this episode. Uh, he originally was scheduled to be with us, but uh, something came up. But so Ben, we, we hope you are with us next time. Um, want to mention to everybody that if you have an idea of somebody that you want to uh, want us to interview or try to interview for this historical series, of podcasts, you can email us at our new email address. And that is that AFL rewind at arena fan.com. Um, just send us an email, both, all of myself, John, and Ben will be receiving it, and we would like to um, try to do our best to to, uh, to get that person or persons on the podcast. I have to ask you this, John, because we, we haven't uh, spoken since the last Dan, Dan Radabell interview. If you could, uh, and, I, and even though you had a short period of time within the AFL as, as a fan and a follower, who, who would you like to, to bring on the podcast one time? Well... I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. And you already know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to my boy Malachi again, Malachi Jones. Okay. So that would be the one dude. But I don't know. I'll tell you what. There are so many amazing players, coaches, staff, just people that were part of the AFL. I wish we could talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, every, like I have, I don't know. 
uh, 50 episodes mm. filled with players, staff, and it would be great. And Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers to come. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famers to come, man. Fu- uh, uh, current and future Hall of Famers to come. Uh, that will be that will be something that uh, that we will be obviously be promoting coming up hopefully in the very very near future. Well, with us this episode is a gentleman who uh, has spent quite a few years in the Arena Football League. Uh, he made a name for himself not only as a quarterback but also as a head coach. With us is a three-time Arena Bowl winner and and a very good quarterback. I would happen to say, Clint Dozell. Hey, Coach, thanks for joining us. No, you bet. Thanks for having me. I love, love to talk arena football, indoor football, anything we got to do to keep it alive. Uh, it's, uh, it's been great to me, so anything I can do to uh, give feedback to it and, and make it uh, keep going, that's that's what I'm here for. Fantastic. Um, coach, looking at the start of your career, I mean, just your first three head coaches that you had were were. I mean, big names in the Arena Football League. I mean, Mike Triggs, Steve Tun, and Dave Ewart. Obviously, that's a big name for you now, obviously, in your current situation. But what I wanted to find out first is, and for those who may not know, um, before you were a member of the Milwaukee Mustangs, uh, had you heard of Arena Football? And then when you first got the call to come in, I think it was tryout, what, what were your first original thoughts on the, on the game itself? Well, I had heard of it. There's no doubt about it. And uh, this is actually a pretty good story. So um, I I first was told by Michael Trigg about uh, maybe going over and playing some exhibition games in uh, in Spain. Heard of Ring Football? I said, yeah, I have. Um, I said, uh, I was at the time, I was like, this is Arena Football. I don't know if that's for me or not. <laughs> uh, I actually met Trigg. At uh, my bachelor party in uh, Dallas, uh, I had was my, with some buddies, and he, I just happened to run into him, and he said, "I, you know, I thought you were in the World League." And I said, "No, I'm right now. I'm just playing softball for a living, basically." So I was enjoying that, doing that. And he said, "Well, are you interested?" And I said, eh, "I'm not sure. I better go talk to my soon-to-be wife about it." And uh, I went home and talked to her. She said, shoot, shoot, yeah, you better go play. It's, uh, you know, you still love it. You still, you know, you're, you're at your high level. You need to go play. And so I called him back and I said, well, I got the okay. And uh, a month later, which was a week after I got married, we went to Spain. And uh, obviously I fell in love with it and uh, got to play over there and travel around in three different cities and play it. Um, you know, it's, been with me ever since and uh uh all that to michael trigg and, and my wife obviously for giving me <laughs> give me the nod and say go do it uh the rest as we say is history and uh here i am talking to you guys 25 years later so you're saying i don't think i've ever heard this and john i don't think you have either so you your actual yeah. first experience was playing in europe not within technically within a, for a league game yet is that what you're saying that is correct. I played. Uh, we Albany went with us, and we traveled to uh, Madrid, Saragossa, and Granada, and uh, played three games over there. And um, and like I said, just got to start a couple of those games. Uh, back in those days, I was playing a little receiver and jack as well, so uh, did a little bit of everything, you know, over there. And just like I said, just came back and told my wife about it, and he offered me a contract, and I went and signed with Milwaukee. And, 
played for them for or well, backed up for two years. That that's amazing. That is a very good story. Yeah. <laughs> so you, now that you've mentioned, I have to ask because uh, what was it like playing in Spain? Obviously, you're playing a, a new game for the first time, and you're playing exhibition <laughs> games in front of European crowds, which I heard were absolutely nuts. What what was your experience over there in Europe like? Well, like most people will tell you, the kicker got the most praise. You know, everything over in Europe was all about the kicker. So anything, anytime he did something that was, uh, you know, great kicking off or making a PAT, make a field goal, they got the biggest applause. But, um, you know, it was a great experience. I mean, this game has taken me to so many different places. You know, the next year we went to Paris. Uh, we're over there for, uh, you know, two weeks. I've been to Hawaii because of it. I've been to China two different times mm-hmm. because of it. So, yeah, I've been pretty blessed uh, to be able to do what I do over there and uh, and get to go see all those different places. Any particular city you liked the most when you were playing there? Because you know, they, they knew some, some of the European cities knew football. Some didn't, especially Americanized football. Any any particular city or games stood out to you when you were playing? Um, were you talking about overseas? Why? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, no, not so long ago, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I know the first place we were at because we, you know, kind of got to know each other and stuff. We were there for two weeks, which was Saragossa. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it just because I think I was there longer and mm-hmm. got to know some of the people there. And, you know, I, I am a people person and I get to know people and interested in hearing their stories and stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, I guess anywhere I've, Kind of like going over to Beijing, you know. We went there for we were there for two weeks, so that was my team that I coached, and and uh, that would be obviously my my favorite city. My wife would say Shanghai because that's where she got to go and 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 be there with me mm-hmm. for that last week of the seven weeks we were there. So, you know, it's all about uh, for me, you know, how long I've been there and, and making connections with people. That's 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 amazing. That's amazing. So, most of your career with with Milwaukee, as you say, was 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 basically a, a backup itself. And in '97, you ended up being. I think you got picked up as through free agency for for the uh, for Texas. Actually, I was traded. You're uh, traded to Milwaukee. Uh, Steve, you know, Steve Tum was our receivers coach in Milwaukee, and um, you know, he ended up going on and being the op- uh, the offensive coordinator uh, there with uh, Dave Hewitt. Um, and, uh, he, uh, you know, talked him into trading for me and I guess they, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think there were two players in the trade and men, we were discussing this other day. He knew the, uh, the, I don't know, it was a receiver or a DB and I knew the, the quarterback. And now that I'm sitting here talking about it, I can't even think of his name. And I actually played an all-star all-star game with him. Um, in North Dakota. So uh, I'll think of it somewhere along this line. I'll just blurt it out to you <laughs> <laughs> who the trade went through. So, yeah, it was a two-for-one deal. And, um, yeah, it was it was, it was was a great situation. Uh, you know, got to go back and I actually coached uh, high school ball during that time uh, at Waller, Texas. My wife had to go look up where that was on the map uh, when I got to – told her we were going to Houston and I had to go find a job real quick. And made a whopping $21,000 my first year coaching and teaching, <laughs> which back then I was Whoa. like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> but, so you made a, obviously a huge splash in Texas. You had your very first start coach on May 10th, 1997 at Portland. Um, <laughs> that's, that's when the, the, the Texas was known as the, the, the terror. Um, what that's do you, correct. what do you remember 
about your your very first start. You had, I mean, you had great numbers, obviously, because you were on to becoming a star in the league. But what uh, what do you remember about that? Do you remember anything about that first start? In, in here's what I here's what I remember. I do remember it well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was when I came into there, I, I was competing with Marty Lowe, which Marty Lowe was basically uh, Dave Hewitt's guy mm-hmm. from St. Louis. He brought him with him, so he was more familiar with him and. Um, I basically didn't win the job, um, you know, in those first couple of preseason games. And Marty, you know, got the start. He got hurt against Iowa. And I came in and um, it didn't do great, but just didn't have a, you know, just a ton of experience of playing. But um, I I wasn't overly impressive in that, you know, cleanup, you know, coming in in that game. And during the next week playing Portland, uh, Stevie came to me a ton and said, uh, I don't know how to really tell you this, and uh, maybe I shouldn't, but you need to play well. <laughs> and I knew what he meant. Uh, he, uh, he were going to, you know, find somebody else if, if I didn't do well. And I don't know if uh, some people might not like the pressure, but it didn't. It didn't seem to bother me. I had a pretty good game. I think I threw for seven and ran for two. So, and we end up uh, winning pretty handily. And I think it was Ben Bennett was the other quarterback. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I just kind of rocked it after that, and, uh, and 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 got the keys to the to the team, and uh, we we had a it wasn't a, it wasn't a great season, but it was a good season, and put up some some good numbers, and you know, we were one game shy of uh, making the playoffs there, and all my buddies that were on that team they called they called me uh, Bob. And they called me Bob Costas. Costas the playoffs because I didn't, uh. I got hurt in one of those games and didn't get to finish it. We ended up losing it. So that was all my Texas Tech boys, Lloyd Hill and uh, Robert Blackshear and Robert Hall. They were my three receivers, all Texas Tech guys. And obviously Robert Hall was the backup quarterback during that time too, and Mike Holt. Are you still called Bob Costas to this day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I see those three guys, that's what they always call me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, that year you went you went six and eight. But the funny thing is about that that first year there, coach, is that you lost both times to your former team. Did it matter to you at that uh, time? Yeah. It's Coach Trigg, but I mean, did, did it matter to you at that time that you lost to your team? You were like, damn, man, I I, I know I'm I could have beaten them. Uh, yeah, of course it did. And, and that's, I didn't lose too many times to him after that, by the way. Um, <laughs> it bothered me, to, but I, I knew they were a better team than we were. First of all, I mean, there was no question they had more talent and been together longer and, um, they should have beat us for that matter, but it was always pretty good games against them. And yeah, anytime you, you get beat, but he did me a favor by trading me there. So it wasn't like it was any bitterness, you know, anything like that playing them. And then in 1998, um, a slight change to your football career in Houston. Uh, instead of becoming a tear, you become a Thunder Bear. Um, <laughs> I have to, I have to ask you about that, Coach. Because worst I'm- name ever in <laughs> arena football in the history of mascots is that name. <laughs> Thunder Buddies so for life. Your question. Thunder Buddies for life. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, yeah. And you know why that came about, right? No, no, I that's what I'm asking. Understand it, but yeah, I guess uh, Les Alexander, his wife is a uh, animal rights activist, and I don't know. She didn't, some reason, didn't want anything to do. Which I don't know what Big Frankenstein has to do with it, but 
anyway, she wanted to name it something different and she wanted to keep it uh, mystical and all that. And there you go. We end up being the Houston Thunder Bears. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting there, coach. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, hey, but the funny thing is, one of the few pictures, the old school pictures that we're able to find online of you is in your Thunder Bears uniform. So it's, uh, I think it's against Grand Rapids, actually, if I remember correctly. So, um, what, um, and obviously that, that year in Houston, too, besides a name change, you had a change also in head coach. Uh, you know, very well known and respected head coach Steve Tun. What was it like switching, uh, switching head coach from, from year to year? Is it something that you as a player don't like to see, or is it something that because if you'd known him or if you'd heard about him, were you okay with the transition in 98? Well, I mean, it was always you know, the few times that's happened to me uh, when I've been around. It, it, I was familiar with the coach. It wasn't like they brought somebody, you know, you know, just in off the street. Right. Stevie and I had been together, you know, the year before or two years, uh, first year in Milwaukee mm-hmm. together. And then, uh, obviously he was the offensive coordinator. So yeah, we had a history together. Um, we got along our, our temperaments were, you know, opposite the track. Uh, he was really laid back, always laid back. He's hard to get a rise out of him. And everybody knows me. I'm, I'm just totally opposite. I'm out there. My emotions are where I'm on the sleeve when I play and coach. And, um, I thought we, we had a great, uh, great connection and, and we're a great, great match. Yeah. Um, uh, nine, I said 98, 99, uh, you, you went eight and six. Yeah. You did make the playoffs. You lost, you did ended up losing to Arizona. Um, but in uh, 99, you, uh, you probably, you know, you went four and 10, obviously it's not the, not the best thing to have as a quarterback, but, uh, if I'm, but leading into the next season though, I mean, in 2000. We were at four and ten. That's something I just put in the back of my mind. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, that's awful. Because of how well you had done in, you know, since you'd come in the league and been a starter since 97, uh, we have to at least touch on this, Coach, is that uh, you uh, you had a little bit of uh, uh, of interest from the NFL and the Chicago Bears came coming. Give us a, give us a little bit of history on, on, on your Bears history, even though it's not arena-related. Yeah, it was probably the best and worst moments of my life is, is going to do that. Uh, I'm glad I did it, but I wish I hadn't at the same time. You know, just one of those deals. I went in there and, I, and performed well. I mean, I, I did everything to ask. Uh, um, I, and honestly, it was easy. Those guys were wide open. Uh, I think they, they, they tracked everything you did daily. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I went there in March and was there through, you know, all the spring training and all that stuff and um and you know all my tracking i was 28 of 32 in camp while i was there so i didn't hardly miss a beat um went to the first preseason game uh went three for four threw a touchdown and got cut on the way home i was uh i was in shock i didn't understand it but i did going on down the road i mean i it's the old who you know and uh one of those situations where you know I could go into the line of quarterbacks that were there and they all had ties to somebody on the team. And besides Cade McNown, Cade McNown was, uh, you know, drafted the year before and, you know, you're not going to, they're not going to do away with your number one draft pick, even though he wasn't very good. (laughs) He, uh, he, he was 
one of the I'm not gonna go into Cade. Right. <laughs> anyway, he uh <laughs> it got cut and uh you know, and then that was probably the best thing that ever mm-hmm. happened to me. Uh honestly after that, uh Trig called me back, yep. the union had, had had formed and there was some money to be finally made in arena football and um you know, he talked me into to coming in and, you know, kinda enticed me with you can call your own plays and uh I I kind of intrigued by it and um, I went in and he was true to his word. He let me call my own plays and, um, you know, what a, what a year that was. And, you know, the crazy thing is that we, we won that year. I'm sure you were about to go into yeah, that, was, but, yes, yes. um, it was probably honestly, the probably talent wise, it may have been one of the top two or three teams, lowest talent that I've ever played with, but man, we got along and we did everything together. And it was just one of those seasons that, you know, it just, everything went our way and um we played well we we got stops when we needed to on defense and we were basically unstoppable on offense and you know got my only one championship as a player so yeah it was great but yeah the nfl experience cost me a lot of money <laughs> we were in uh, we were in debt for a long time after that trying to make up for it uh you know not being able to play that serene season and, okay you know we didn't didn't really make any money while I was there, you know, besides just your little bit of camp money and stuff like that, which, you know, and you got a wife and, and two kids, uh, you, you just can't live off that. And of course my w- wife being the trooper, she, she trudged along with me and, you know, made it work. And, and then we ended up going to Grand Rapids and stayed with it after that. How was it? How was it like in Grand Rapids? I've heard, you know, I've, I've spoken with many, many uh, ex-fans of the Rampage, and, and I never got a chance to actually see a game in Grand Rapids, Coach. But for those who don't know what Grand Rapids because everybody, you know, think of Grand Rapids or they think of Iowa or they think of Albany. They talk about these small cities that have a very, uh, you know, rabid fan base. What was it like for you being in Grand Rapids for those three years? Well, it was, it's my, it was my favorite place out of all the places I've played and lived. And it's right up there with being back home in Texas, to be honest with you. I made so many friends there, so friendly people. Um, you know, of course, we were, we were really good. Um, I always could uh, I tell everybody and I explain it like we are the Green Bay Packers of arena football. You know, we had our, our, our niche of the town there. There was nothing besides, you know, you got Detroit Lions, which is a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. And, Chicago Bears, which is several hours away. We were it for right in that area, and, man, the people loved it. It was a packed house. You know, I think it held uh, 9-5 or something like that, and the arena ball had a little over 10 in it. So you can imagine probably the atmosphere that was in that place was unbelievable. I mean, I watched a lot of games, you know. I watched, I watched a lot of the arena bowls over the years and been in a lot of them. But just experiencing it live in there, it was you, – you can't – you can't explain it to people that it actually came through TV like you were at the game. And, and that's one of those rare moments. Of course, it was ABC. It was Brett Mosberger. I mean, what else can you ask for? It's uh, about it's about the best moment I could have in, in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, during your first season, I had to ask, too, because you'd already you'd come into arena football by going to a different countries and, and starting, you know, over in Europe. What was your what was your first experience like heading to Canada when you played there for the first time in two thousand one? Because we've had a few pretty big names in the AFL have played either in Canada or have uh, have played uh, for like the Phantoms. What what was your experience like? Did you have anything you remember specifically about the about heading to Canada? Not not really. No? The only thing honestly I can remember, and it's not a great moment uh, <laughs> by any means. And I, I thank God I don't remember the, the player's uh, name, but. 
we were, I think we were getting up on them and, uh, I don't know, one of these linebackers, he, he, you know, I don't know, we might've been talking trash to each other, whatever. He walks by and actually spits in my ear and I absolutely lost it. I mean, I that spitting on somebody to me is the worst thing you can do to a person. And I, I lost it. I mean, I had, to, they had to drag me you know, off of him. I was like, just couldn't explain it to coach what happened and just, you know, just one of those moments. That's really the only thing I remember about going to Canada. Of course, it was, you know, it's different. You know, the accents and you know, talking to people all there. But it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't too much to it, uh, in my opinion. I've got some friends that actually. My neighbor was from Canada and had lived with me when I lived in Dallas for three or four years from there. And so, um, I got to think I know more about it from him than I did actually when I visited there. <laughs> I remember how to say I'm I'm with you though on that. That is probably the top most form of disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, it just drives me nuts and I and I <laughs> I, I just just don't see it and I usually tell my players, you know, I said, guys, there's not, you no personal fouls. We can't have you and I'm going through it. Sure. And I almost give a disclaimer every time something I said, but if somebody spits on you, I understand if you lose your mind because I've done it before. So I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not a uh, you know say one thing and do another thing. I, I get it uh, from that side of it. So it's very possible I may have been at that game too, Coach. I can't because I, I was at most of the Phantom games when I was a season ticket holder. I made the trip from Montreal, so I, I'm trying to remember if I was at that game or not. But yeah, you you were, I remember you ran rough shot on them that day. So. Um, Grand Rapids, you know, in 03, 04, 05, you made, you made the, the head out west. Um, what, how'd you end up getting out to Las Vegas as a, as a head, as a quarterback? Yeah, that was, uh, that one, that one hurt me too. <laughs> uh, you know, we were ready to call that home for the rest of my career in Grand Rapids. And, uh, you know, from everything I understand is that, that, uh, and the great owners, um, uh, the DeVosses were unbelievable owners, their family, their kids, they were great to us. And we, we, I could never say anything bad, but I think he got word that, you know, things weren't heading the right direction as far as the league and his mindset. So mm-hmm. from what I understand is he was going to get rid of the team the following year. So, um, he, you know, one more, he's going to get one year into it. So he was going to let me, I guess, start tied somewhere else. So he, you know, he allowed me to be traded, uh, to, to Las Vegas. And, um, you know, I talked to, you know, Frank Hagee was a head coach there. And, mm-hmm. um, we had a good, good talk before I headed that way. And, um, it was, uh, it was good. I mean, I enjoyed that move too. It was something different. Uh, so that was, that was that. I mean, as far as how I got to there is just got traded, had, you know, just bought a house the year before too, and, and had it built and we were, we were loving life. And then <laughs> carpet got pulled out from underneath us again and, off we were to Las Vegas. Um, uh, both years in Vegas, you went. You went eight and eight. You had uh, Coach Heggie as your head coach the first year, and then I, obviously you had Ron James also as your head coach the second year. Um, uh, then you head into in nine his your last couple of years as a player. You headed off to play for the uh, for the Desperados. Um, you're closer to home. Um, you, you know, you're coached by Will McClay at nine in, uh, sorry, in 2006. Um, what, what was it like? Was it a total difference between Vegas and Dallas? Because obviously I didn't ask you about your, your Vegas experience because I mean, 
Uh, uh, these days, it's a little bit different than it would be, Coach, I think, back then for when you're playing in Vegas, because now you get, you get the hockey team. You're going to have the Raiders there now. Um, what, right. what, what was the difference for you when you – the difference between playing in Vegas and then, come, so to speak, coming home and playing in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, just familiarity with, with everybody. I'm, you know, Will McClay and I, he was, you know, obviously the defensive coordinator when I was with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Terry Gray was also the, the line coach in Milwaukee and in Houston. Uh, and in the Grand Rapids for a year of the year, we wanted to uh, helping out there as well. So uh, a lot of ties, you know, and besides just being back home in Texas and they were already a good football team uh, before I got there. So it was very easy to, to come back there and play for Will. Uh, you know, obviously, he's a great head coach and, and we did a lot of great things together except for winning championship. But, um, you know, we, we put some good numbers up and, and, and had a lot of great entertainment uh, for games. Uh, it was it was good to be back home for sure. I uh, just wish we'd have, we had a very talented teams. We should have won one or two there for sure as a championship. But this crazy game of running football sometimes just doesn't doesn't allow the best team to always win. Mm-hmm. It, and it's true. And I think for those who have been following your career as, as much as that, whether it be a player or a coach, uh, they know about your you know unfortunately that fifteen one team in two thousand and seven. And as you said, anything can happen in arena football, and it just happened to be what was it two or three bounces off the actual uh, uh, nets themselves or off the bars themselves that turned that, that playoff game versus Columbus in 07 from, I think you guys were winning at the point, to it, it put Columbus up ahead for good. Is that right? Well, <laughs> let me go back to nine. Let me go back to six first okay. and then I'll get to that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> six was, in my opinion, was the, it was the last years of two-way play. Okay. And in my opinion, on all the teams I've played and all the teams I've watched, it was probably the most talented team and the best team to ever play two-way football in arena football. If you look at the numbers on the offensive side and defense and the separation between how bad we beat teams, you know, I think we went 13-3 and three or something did, like yeah. that. And, yeah. again, those, those three games were, you know, one of those games, too. You just couldn't control some of the bounces and the things that happened in the arena game and, um, you know, so that yeah, was a great football team in the two-way era days. <clears throat> and then we go to the next year and they change it to, you know, uh, basically single platoon. You can play your, you know, natural position. You don't have to play both ways. While there were still a few guys that did it just because they were good enough. And I will Pettis. Um, yeah, we went 15 and one and basically dominated, you know, a lot of teams as well that year. And got a buy the first week and, and we handled Columbus both times we played them. I think they were in our conference, our division, and uh, they came into town. And um, you know, the first half was just like it should have been. We we were we scored every time. We got a stop and a half, and we were up ten, and we were getting the ball. Uh, anytime you played us back in those days, uh, you know, the offense had the ball, and we were up ten. We were going to be tough to beat. And the first two kickoffs coming out of halftime went bounce off the iron touchdown, bounce off the iron touchdown. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, just like that, we were down four uh, in a matter of basically 15 seconds. So, um, and then went back and forth and we ended up getting a late turnover. I threw a pick off that went off of Marshall's hands and went off the net for a pick on fourth down. And, um, you know, they end up winning. And it was just, <laughs> I tell you what, I was, after that, I was questioning, questioning a lot of things about football. Why am I even playing this stupid game type stuff? Cause there's like no way we should have lost that football game, but yet we did, you know, and that's, 
that's the only you know negative I'll ever say about our game is always the best team doesn't always win in our game. So it's uh, it's tough. Is it tough though? I mean, I know a loss is a loss, coach, but is it tough? Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, Columbus was under 500 at that time. Is it? Is it? Oh, they were. They were 79. Yeah. Is it? Is it tough to lose to a team in the playoffs when you're? I said you're a one loss team versus a team that's under 500. Is it hurt more, or is it to you? Is it a loss? Is a loss? Is a loss? Um, I don't know. It's a loss. Is a loss to me for sure on that part. I mean, I don't like losing ever, but um. You know, just the way we lost the year before, um, and then you know, both 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 years we had the best record and got a buy. You know, maybe the buy is not the best thing in the world for you. you keep that momentum and keep playing like a lot of those other teams do because it sure didn't work out for us yeah. either time that we had buys. But yeah, again, that was tough to swallow. Um, you know, to, for it to happen like that and where you don't have any control of it, and it just, you know, yeah, it's it's still still bitter in case you can't tell oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i have to at least mention because you talked about the the change from what some will call the la era um that's what they that's what some do call it coach but i wanted to ask you specifically about that the change from iron true ironman football where some do say where the league and the game may have changed for the worst on you know for the worst what was what's your thought as a player hearing the, the you know when you did finally hear that there's going to be a modification in the Ironman rule where you're going to go back to single platoon. Were you it, were you for well, it? Were you against it? Or what, what were your thoughts on that? As a player, you're never for any changes for the most part. But the, the more you do it, the more it happens, you're, you're like, well, this isn't so bad. Right. You know, it's always something. You know, every now and then they throw something out there and just you can't do it. It doesn't work. Um, and, you know, when they did that, and I was like, eh, I don't know. But you evolve and... You, you adapt to whatever, you know, thrown your way. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's, I, I don't, I don't believe that it, it was bad for the league, honestly. Mm-hmm. So anybody says that I disagree with that okay. because you get more isolated talent, you know, you get to see guys get more of a chance to go from your offensive line. Now where you know, back in the day, I had defensive linemen blocking for me. Um, so, you know, the game changed that way. You had better talent in every position. So, um, I, I don't know. It's definitely, uh, it took our niche away right. that made us what we were for years as arena football. But, you know, I don't think the quality of play has ever been the problem with our game. You know, it just, we haven't found the right system to make it work as far as to make it for the owners to work. Right. Because the product's always been good on the field. Anybody that says any different, um, you know, they just maybe a year or two when, it, you know, came back there weren't as many you know quality teams your Arizona was really good but there weren't a lot of quality teams after that and that's a big part of it you know you couldn't attract big name players and things like that a good coach could take over a league which Kevin Guy you know he did you know once it came back but um you know it's just kind of it is what it is you know as far as that goes and um you know as soon as it started getting better again and you know, we outpriced ourselves again. So I don't know. The product's never been the issue. Uh, that's my my take on arena football for sure. As far as why it hasn't made it. Yeah. Um. Then in obviously the the year two thousand eight was a was a big one for what some do call AFL one point era. Um. You know, the year itself. Uh, your and your last year as a player. Uh. You went twelve and four. Um. Lost to uh, New York in the playoffs. Um, and then, 
uh, you hear the first and foremost Commissioner Baker uh, at media day or close to media day, uh, you know, says he's going to step down. And then the whole thing with the league going into bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what was what was your thought on that, Coach? Because you know you you came into the league at a time where you know in two thousand where the league had threatened to shut down, and before they came back, uh, and then in, it happens again in two thousand and eight, and the league doesn't come back in oh nine. What what were your thoughts on on I guess maybe what you had heard, how the how it went down, how you were told. Uh, what was your thoughts on the, on, I guess we could say, on the second bankruptcy of the Arena Football League? Yeah, I was in, like everybody. Um, it happened so, you know, such a bad timing of right before the season starts. So, you know, uh, we were all in shock. You know, we we heard things were going down. I was actually hunting muck on what I heard um, and talking. You know, I was part of the, you know, one of the leaders of the union mm-hmm. uh, on it for our team. And um, I was like, do we got to do to make it work if we've got to take a huge pay cut and we we were willing to and i think that's the biggest thing i think we were willing to take a half of what we were making i think Again, it was 40 percent yeah, i think it was 40 percent yeah yeah we were it wasn't about the money for why the league shut down they can say it was and they can blame whatever the salaries and all that on on us but we offered to take a huge chunk so there was more to it than that and obviously it, it put us all in a bind um, especially me, you know, I've been making a pretty good living and, uh, doing this and all of a sudden that's just yanked out from underneath me. So, mm-hmm. um, I had to make a fast decision and, you know, that led me into coaching. Um, one thing I do want to ask is you're talking about salaries and I haven't had a chance to ask any for any former players about this. Do you think at the time, cause obviously at that time, you know, before the league, uh, suspended operations in 08, you had some players that were making upwards of six figures a year. In your opinion, Clint, do you think that the league was was could sustain six figure salaries? I think the cap at that time was like it's like a three point five million, if I remember correctly. Did, did the league grow too much to where these salaries were just out of control, or do you think it was a combination of? No, it was definitely a combination. Yeah. I don't think it was. Uh, again, I don't think anybody's owner at that time was, was in it for the money. Right. <laughs> Any, anybody says that is that they're, they're, they're telling you a story. Nobody, <laughs> no, no owners are in this to make money. Yeah. They, they do it. They enjoy it. Um, you know, it's something to maybe they have family that, you know, that it's tied into the, to the league operations or the team operations too. Mm-hmm. It's something they can pass on to their family and things like that. But yeah, I mean, the money was, was up there, but I mean, the money's you're never going to have enough uh, revenue from fans because you just don't play enough games. You know, your arenas hold what, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15,000. Even if you sold out, you're still not going to cover salaries. Yeah. You're just not, you got to have TV sponsors, which we blew that away when we had NBC and the NFL came in and tried to buy a, a chunk of the, the AFL. And we thought we were going to outgrow that and said, no, and there you go. Uh, we got snubbed uh, after that. The NFL didn't want anything to do with us. And then that's where the downfall, in my opinion, okay. this is my opinion, yeah. started happening. Okay. Do you remember where you were you when you were told that the league wasn't coming back in 09? Yeah, I was hunting in uh, Dallas Quail hunting. 
with my uh, uncle in, uh, in West Texas and uh, got got the word and was just straight devastated and ruined my hunting trip. Mad still about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, so glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise. Yeah, gladly. You know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merch from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't. The Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honorary selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash Fame to join Um, but as you said, uh, some good things, sometimes there are silver linings to, to bad things is that in 09, you, you switched over to, uh, to being a coach for the very first time. You went down to the, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to coach with the uh, Florida Firecats in AF2, you're their OC. How was the, how was the transition coach? I see, as you said, you've been calling your plays before, you know, you've been offered that before and you, you've been doing that as a QB. How was it, uh. How was it being a, a coach for the very first time? Well, I mean, heck, it wasn't any different. I mean, I, you know, like I said, the last nine years of playing, I, I basically I ran the meetings. I installed the game plan and, you know, I was quarterback and coach on the field. I mean, there, most of the time there was a coach standing beside me, but mm-hmm. um, that was more cosmetic than anything. Uh, so it was, it was, it was easy, you know, now I don't have to actually, you know, go throw it too. I can just kind of watch what's happening, see what's going. A little easier from the sideline, and, and obviously I, I think I called plays better. I mean, I felt like I was a pretty good quarterback, but I think I called plays better than I actually played the game. Uh, and I, I again, unfortunately, after '09, uh, the AF2 <laughs> it, it, it doesn't <laughs> right. exist. Doesn't exist anymore. Man. Maybe I'm the problem here. <laughs> now that we're that you're saying all this. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, now, uh, but uh, again, it, it made the bigger and better things. Again, you were able to head back home. Um, and in your first stint in indoor football, you were the head coach for the San Angelo Stampede Express of the, of the IFL. Um, what, uh, what was your, your first experience coaching a game that wasn't arena football? Because obviously, as fans know, the Nets are a huge part of the game, and I think the IFL has sort of grown in a way where it's not as much running as it is now. But what was what was your experience 
coaching in the IFL, switching from uh, switching over from the Arena League game? You know, it was a good, it was a great experience. Uh, I met Miss Darlene Jones. She was our owner there. Um, you know, and I had it's the first time I actually had you know basically the whole the whole thing. I had to go find all the talent. I had to you know make arrangements for you know help with the food deals, things like that, which I'd never done before. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just wanted to be part of the coaching, but had to do that. Had to secure practice fields and you know and talk to business people and things like that, which, which was great. You know, it, it helped me to grow up a little bit, to be honest with you. And, um, it was a different game, but it, it, my, my, my offense still fit what was going on. Okay. I just had to change instead of one guy in motion, two guys in motion. And, you know, that was, that was pretty easy to fix. We had that figured out in the first week or so, but, uh, you know, was able to go find some good talent that, that was still playing up till last year, a lot of it. So, um, it was, uh, it was fun, and you know, that being my first experience as a head coach, I thought it was pretty successful. I think we went ten and four, something like that, made the playoffs, won a, won one round, and got beat in the second round to Billings, who was basically running that league. Um, and just we were outmatched. We were outmatched and outcoached. To be honest with you, I just there was so many things that I didn't know about the game that that was that I saw during that. Um, that I obviously had to, was going to have to change if I stayed in that that league, which I would have. I mean, but um, you know, obviously I went to you Dallas had, the next year. Yeah. So oh, now the, the league came back, the Arena Football League came back in 2010. Were you actually offered a job at all to head coach or to coach at all when it first came back, or had you already been tied I, into? I was. I was. Yeah. I was offered the the Dallas job, but I'd already told Miss Darlene I'd be her head coach and. I was brought up a little different, I guess, than some people. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm going to do something. That's what I'm going to do. And I gave my word to her, and I you know, stuck it out with her. And um, you know, and then I it was offered to me again the next year. So, um, yeah, no, I was I was already committed to to San Angelo that year, and wasn't able to to do it until the following year. No, that's 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 actually gets good to hear, Coach. I like that. I was wondering if you if you if if you're given the opportunity. That's cool. Um, back in the Arena Football League in 2011, uh, your first year as a head coach in the AFL. Um, back in Dallas again, um, you were with a, a team, I think, one of the teams I think that were very good on paper that year. Um, you had a pretty good year at 11 and 7. What was your, what was your, what are your thoughts on the differences between your last time in Dallas with the Despos versus your 2011 team in? uh in in dallas as the vigilantes because you know this this had been the technically the the first time in three years you'd been in the arena football league what had you noticed any particular changes when it came to either the teams or the coaching styles or or the league itself well go back to something you said taught me a little bit and now our talent wasn't you're thinking of the year before they had tons of talent and Mm -hmm. on paper they were supposed to win the uh the arena bowl in 10 and uh, they had some injuries and just didn't get it done. But, you know, I brought a whole new team in with the exception of maybe two players. Um, and some of them came over from San Angelo and um, then some some guys from other leagues and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we totally revamped the team. Um, and it was different. Um, you know, talent level wasn't the same. And that, again, is a factor of, um, of money. You know, you, you're going to get more, you know, quality players that guys from other leagues, the NFL for that matter, that 
didn't quite make it or still wanting to play. And if you, you offer them $400, they're going to laugh at you. Right. So, you know, we weren't able to get some of those type players, but, you know, again, we were in Dallas and Dallas has a, a lot of talent, you know, walking around the streets. Uh, so we, we fielded a pretty good team again. And, you know, again, we, <laughs> we lost on a kind of a fluky deal in the playoffs there against Chicago. Uh, and when basically they'd given up the honest with you and I think we were up 10 and, they were kicking a field goal just from midfield or something like that. And we jumped off sides late in the fourth quarter and they end up, you know, getting automatic first down from through a touchdown and got an onside kick and ended up beating us. So uh, just again, the craziness of our game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely different. Uh, you know, being back in Dallas and the uh, first time I got to meet Woody Kearns, um, mm, yes. you know, long time owner in, in this game. And he was great. You know, I see why they won so many years with him and Markham. Um, you know, he's, he wants to win, you know, and he, he, he let me have it, control of it, and, you know, showed me a lot of things about the game, too, as far as, you know, the off the, off the field, which was um, great. Him and Mark, Markham was around quite a bit, too, so got to know him a lot more then. Now, you, you did. I mean, you had, if everybody goes back and checks your, your, your roster for 20, 2011, um, there's a, obviously there are, uh, are some very well-known names that stand out for being stars in the Arena Football League. Tiger Jones being one of them, Derek Ross being another one of them, but there's also this uh, guy who happened to be, I think he was a, he, you know, just started last year. You got to remember though, the way, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, they're stars now. They're yeah. stars now. Yeah. They weren't then. Okay, <laughs> there's a difference. Well, uh, Derek Ross gave you 39 touchdowns the first year of rushing. That's that's pretty good. I, I would say that would be a star in the making, wouldn't you? Wait, wait. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. They weren't stars. Before I had them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear here. You're saying like they've been stars forever. No, no, no. They're not stars. They weren't stars then. Okay. They were. They were. We create stars. In San Angelo. There you go. Yeah. Okay. We created a few. <laughs> they, actually, it, Joe Goosby, who just finished up last year, was yep. with the San Angelo team. Went to Dallas with me. Derek Ross was with me. He led the league and uh, in San Angelo. Um, Two, two or three other players that played with me for almost nine, ten years. And then Dan Rodabai, quarterback, yeah, yep. he was he's a star now too. It was his uh, first year of, of really starting. So, yeah, we were a very good football team. If we could have kept that team around for a little bit, uh, we, we would have we'd have been dangerous. Um, you were you were out of uh, coaching for a year. Were you, you weren't coaching in 2012, were you, Coach? I don't think so, right? Um, yes, yes. you're the OC. Uh, yeah. You're the OC in Philadelphia. Um, yep. What what, uh, what what prompted so people who people don't know what prompted your change from from Dallas heading to Philly? The league's uh, vigilante shut down. Okay. So we had to, you know they were trying to move to Nashville was what the deal was, um, and I don't know this the league didn't allow it. What uh, he didn't want to pay, he thought he was going to you know just pay a, a new move franchise move and not have to actually buy a whole new team, which mm-hmm. was a big difference in, in money. So he just shut it down. And obviously Doug Plank was uh, already named head coach there. Right. And he had called me and said, uh, you know, would you want to become the head, you know, offense coordinator? And I said, <laughs> I didn't have many options again. It was pretty late that we folded uh, the team. So um, he he, and he 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 promised me that honestly he'd, he'd be a year or two and he'd step down and then I could have a job and I said well I can't pass that up and of course we brought basically half our team they weren't very good the year before either in in Philly I think we beat, beat them pretty handily um, 
I think uh, Owens, he may have been the head coach there in Philly before I got there. And we did well. I mean, one of those other teams that you look at the record books, there was some <laughs> unbelievable records we set that year. Uh, we, I think we broke the record of uh, that 06 team I told you about, yep. uh, difference between uh, scoring offense and defense. And, um, you know, that was, that was a fun team. It was, that was an easy one to coach. Yeah, we had a lot of talent that was, you know, <laughs> from that, from that time. Um, 2012, besides, you know, there, it, I, I don't say it's a downside being just being an OC, but you're still in the league itself. But, but there was something else that occurred in 2012 that I think John and I really want to ask you about. In 2012, it was the 25th anniversary of the Arena Football League. Uh, first and foremost, you were named uh, the number eight all-time greatest player of that year. And also, on top of that, you were inducted into the Arena Football League Hall of Fame. First, um, should you be number eight or should you be higher? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. No, I mean, it's, it is what it is. And you get voted on, you know, by your peers, which is still, I mean, eight, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with. I mean, I'd love to say, I, you know, I'm, I'm competitive enough to say I'd love to be higher than that. And, and, and if you played with me, uh, anybody who played with me probably thinks, that I could be higher as well, but you know, that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, we didn't win enough championships, so I'll leave it at that. Okay. I mean, you had, you had quite a few names ahead of you. I mean, you can't, Sid Bonner was ahead of you, George LaFrance, Hunky Cooper, Jay Gruden, Aaron Garcia, Eddie Brown, and Barry Wagner. Um, yeah, great names. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about your, about your, uh, induction of the hall of fame. Um, had you heard any? You know, had you heard any rumors that you may have been on, on the finalists of, of the list to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, or were you, was it a surprise when you were uh, when you were first told? Honestly, I, I honestly don't remember. Um, I, I I don't think it was a surprise. I knew the, the induction was going on, and um, I think somebody you know may have told me that you know things were looking pretty good that it may happen. So, obviously. It's something I didn't ever expect when I started this thing. Yeah. Uh, as the last thing in my mind was to, to go be in the Hall of Fame in arena football, which, uh, again, I'm very fortunate, uh, and I love this game, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Uh, so and I gave that speech, you know, that day, and there's no way, you know, Robinson boy from Little Waco, Texas, could get a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, and it's just been a great career, longevity. You know, I. Mm -hmm. I Put it on to that. You know, I played 13 years and um, had a lot of good talent around me to, to put me in that situation. Do, do you think when somebody gets voted into the Hall of Fame, Coach, do you feel that it, it's a reflection of the team around you? Do you uh, did you feel that you wish that you could brought your it was, you know, it wasn't you that was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, even though it was your name on the uh, on the on the ring on your ring and, and on whatnot. But do you wish that? you could have brought it was more of a, a team thing as you said because you said your teams are just so good and the guys that are, were around you were so good when you were playing yeah anybody that says they yes of course i want my my teammates there i mean because yeah. anybody who has a good career or a great career whatever you want to put it yeah. there's a lot of things that go factor into that and that's the people around you the coaches the owners um, wives. I mean, my wife should have been up there probably more than me. I've already mentioned her <laughs> three times in this, and it's the it's the truth. You know, it's 
so many factors go into why somebody is where there is. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I have, I have a lot of people to thank, you know, over the years and, and, and I am very appreciative of it, you know, and that goes to my parents too, you know, that they raised me right. And they, uh, I had two older brothers. They, they're probably just as big a factors of me being there because they beat me up all the time. And I was the youngest of three. So we were, we were a very competitive family and I, it starts with them. Yeah. Um, obviously you, you had, you finished off your career. You had, I mean, you were coach, you were, you know, th- when fans look to, you know, the, the teams they love to hate, you know, some people will say it would be the Atlanta Braves or the Dallas Cowboys or, or the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, those teams that they really hate or, or New England Patriots, just because they're just so good. Did you at any point here, uh, obviously, you know, you in Ari- being you in Arizona at the time, were you, did you ever feel that you were the team that people loved to hate or you were like, eh, we're good enough. It doesn't matter. We're just here to play and to prove everybody, uh, to prove everybody wrong that we're that good. Well, they're both. They're, they're both. <laughs> I mean, you got to have both of those. I mean, yeah, we were definitely, you know, one of the teams to beat. And again, um, I think the reason Arizona and us, you know, Philly were, were so competitive is we had great ownership. Um, just like they did. Um, you got head coach that's been around for a long time and knows what he's doing. And the biggest factor is you keep your talent, you keep your good talent with you. Um, you always keep your main core, you know. And I look at it right down the middle. You got a good fullback, quarterback, center, nose guard, Mac linebacker, and a safety. You're going to go a long ways. And I had those for most of those years, you know, being in Philly. So, one of the reasons we're pretty good. We're pretty good down the middle. Yeah. Um, again, you're just so so dominant. I mean, it's obviously one of what seemed to be one of your your biggest nemesis while you're a head coach was the Arizona Rattlers. But um, yep, you you know you were able to finally, I guess we could say, uh, knock that off. And when you, uh, I think it's the same year. No, it's uh, when you won the the Arena Bowl. Uh, I think it was in Arizona um, for Lush. Arena Bowl 29. Um, how was, yeah. how was, uh, how, if you were to, to look at all the teams that you have coached and played for, to you, obviously besides that 15 to 1 team in Dallas, and that, is this one of the best teams that you've ever coached or played with? Was that, that team in, in uh, 2016? Well, I mean, again, uh, I said it about Grand Rapids. I'm pretty mm, honest. That's it true. was one of the less three teams that are the worst three teams talent wise. And everybody on that team would say that too. Yeah. Um, but yet we got along. We did everything together. I mean, I, we've had other talented teams than, than that year we beat Arizona. I mean, I mean, I think I had maybe two or three teams that were more talented in Philly right. than that. But it's just, it's, it's hard to win. And it just lined up for us that night. We, we, we actually had some things go our way, and we played really well. And uh, you know that was that was a great one. Um, that was a fun one to beat them at their place, um, and, and just the way it all happened. The owners were, you know, they were ecstatic. I was happy for them, and um, yeah, that one that one's a great memory uh, to beat them at their place. Um, also, we I don't want to, to to pass over this. Is that in not only in twenty sixteen but in twenty fifteen. You were named the Markham uh, the Markham Ra- uh, Moss Head Coach of the Year, and uh, 
don't know if you remember the last time you and I spoke, I mentioned to you that you were the only head coach, and I think you still will be the only head coach in Arena Football League history to win it back-to-back. Um, what's it What's it like, Coach, to, to win a Head Coach of the Year award? Um, it's, it's the same as being inducted, you know, into the Hall of Fame, those type things as far as the only way you get there is the people around you. And that's, and it sounds cliche, but it's a fact. I mean, Belichick is a great coach, but there's a reason he's a great coach too. He had a lot of great talent with him. He's got Tom Brady. He's got a great owner. I mean, all those factors matter. I mean, and, um, if they allowed me, my owners allowed me to, to put that, you know, team together and, um, keep them together and put some good coaches and Phil Bogle around me for those years too. Um, and there's just so many pieces. I mean, our, even our food sponsors, how much they mean to, to get talent in there. There's a lot of little things that people don't look at to what makes an organization good and what's, you know, in turn makes a head coach good. Yeah. You know, another year I don't want to skip over sure. and actually something else significant is the 2017 arena bowl 30. Uh, in comparison coach, when, when you guys were down, you know, seven to nothing in that first quarter compared to the uh the year before when you guys were up like 28 against the rattlers what was your mindset there like was it the same was it different well it was it was different um we were definitely the team to beat uh in 17 with arizona not playing and being the ifl yeah we were hands down the best team uh and one of those games where we knew we were the better team going into it and um, but you just got to hold on because uh, it's like I've said many times on this phone is this crazy game. Uh, you, you, you start out slow and which we did in that game. We started out really slow and uh, we finally started picking it up and started playing better. And, um, you know, again, made some plays when we needed to. Uh, I, I'd like to have won that game a little more handily, but you know what? I've lost some just the same way, so I'm going to take them any way I can get them. So to win the back-to-back the back the back championships was, was nice, and it was nice to be at home for the Philly fans. Um, you know, they those fans are, you know, crazy and great at the same time, and they deserve to be there, want it, you know, get it at home. Yeah, that was a, that was a great game. Um, also looking, and it, you – did a, a, something different too. It, it's it's funny, Coach. How much you've traveled to whether you're a player or a head coach. Something to, as another good opportunity came came your way is that you got involved in the in the CAFL. Um, and specifically, you, I know you were uh, in 2016. I know you were the head coach for the Beijing Lions. Um, what uh, what what prompted first uh, for you to become the head coach? I mean. How were you asked to say, you know what? We got this little thing we got coming up. We want to start a league in China. We want you to be the head coach, and we want you to coach a bunch of, uh, well, I guess, you know, internationals or nationals at the time, I guess, in China, and a, and a mixture of right. uh, arena football league players. Well, we went over there a couple of years before that. Uh, Marty Marty Judge is one of our owners for Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. he has a lot of ties in in China. He does a lot of business there. And, he was going back and forth and thought it'd be, you know, something neat to be able to play games over there. Um, again, we had that all-star game where we went to Hawaii and it's played like that. 2013. You know, and then yep. Went, yep. And then we went to uh, China and played Beijing, you know, a game there. Came back and it took a few years to get it built up. And obviously, you know, 
Marty being our one of our owners wanted me to to go over and, and be the head coach, one of the head coaches of the six teams. And uh and I was the head coach of the Beijing Lions. Again, that was unbelievable experience. The Chinese players, they were they were so much fun. Um uh, and this of course the, the talent levels not quite there, but they 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 pick up things fast. You know, that's what I'll say about them. So you had half Chinese players and you had half American players on the field uh at one time. So you had to be, you know, you had to be careful. You had to protect yourself, had to protect your quarterbacks and things like that. But, you know, what a great experience. We went undefeated, won all six games over there, won the, the last game, the championship game on the last second field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was uh, just seeing those guys play, their faces over there and how much they enjoyed it. This memory, they'll never forget me either. It was a great time. How how, how different is, the, is, you know, playing football in China versus it is, you know, it's stateside. I mean, it's, you know, I said you had, you had different, as you said, you had different players, uh, players who weren't as, you know, as well versed in uh, American football. But well, for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, what, what is the differences between playing in China versus the United States or, or coaching rather? Sorry. Well, I mean, just talent. I mean, obviously the, <laughs> you're not, they're not the same talent They're mm-hmm. They've never played football over there. So we were starting from scratch. I mean, um, you know, we had a, a week of training camp with them, and, and a week later we played a game. So we had two weeks total oh with some of these guys that never even touched or seen a football, for that matter, with their own eyes. I mean, besides being on TV, maybe, mm-hmm. and, and real live person. So, yeah, that was a. Uh, again, you better have some good coaches to help you with. The language barrier was the hardest thing. Yeah, I mean, Mandarin is not uh, something like going to Mexico and just fumbling your way through it. Right. It's, that's something that you, you don't just pick up that you know in a day or you know and pick up a word here and there it is totally different so that was the toughest part but you know we had a, I basically did my draft by guys who were somewhat Americanized and went to the you know went to school in the states some of them and so I had probably five or six players that spoke English so they were almost my uh my translators as well um it was it was it was neat I could I could spend another hour and a half talking about that experience were they how were they because we know we've known you as you're a very passionate coach did you it's weird to say this did you rub a player a chinese player wrong but based off your how passionate you are or is it something that they just <laughs> or something that just they just had to get used to i mean i, I wasn't i mean i i knew the situation i could, i was never going to just jump down one of their throats now i still jump down my american throats if they did things wrong and knew better right. but you know them no you know i had to they had to be toughened up they just don't understand the difference with pain and injury over there and that's something they bumps and bruises they they, they thought was in the world so we had to, i had to i had to bring that across to them and right. kind of explain to them you know in, in no certain terms of how tougher they need to be how much tougher they need to be to play the game yeah so we got that we got that out of the way after the first week uh, in 2013, uh, obviously, as you said, you had the All-Star Game in Hawaii, and, the, and then you went over to Beijing to play. Um, what was it? What was it like for guys? I, I don't know if you had traveled that much before. You know, I know you've been to Europe. I don't, I don't know if you had been to China before. But um, what was your first reaction when you saw how how the the, the Chinese people uh, took to the game for that very first game that was ever played? It was, uh, you know, that first year we went over there. It was, it was man made. Uh, they were really into it. They didn't really know how to cheer and when to cheer. Right. Um, again, the kicker, I think, got the most applause even in China. <laughs> so, um, 
it was it was it was definitely they loved it and they were still trying to understand and process it but it was just a fascination for them just seeing all the big players i mean you know we're some big human beings mm-hmm. when you know especially around that uh you know there there's a lot smaller people than we are for the most part so you know we were they just wanted to touch you you know you walk down the street and they would just kind of reach out and touch you mm-hmm. so it was it was uh it was neat yeah and how was that? I had to at least ask because I remember seeing some of the photos that were sent over uh, from a you know from a, a longtime arena fan columnist Adam Markowitz when he was with you guys. What was it like? Uh, what was it like being on the on the Great Wall of China? That's something you can't I can't I can't even explain if you've never been there. How uh, the human <laughs> race made that you know without the technology that we have now is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's can't even tell you uh, into words what it was and, and just the views, the pictures. And of course, when I went over the, for the second time, I, I went back and had to go again. It was yeah. just so neat and took so many pictures. And um, I wish my wife would have got to see it. But um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. It's definitely one of the one, wonders of the world. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. Uh, the the way that the field was set up for the, uh, for the CAFL, weren't the dimensions slightly different than what you currently played in in the u.s for arena football weren't isn't there a slight difference in the i think it was the the end zones or the width of the field itself because is that true mm, not that i remember okay. i thought it was pretty much now the field itself was it was that it's the new turf it was so and it didn't have enough pebbles in it so it was like running through long grass okay we weren't near as fast on the field but besides that the dimensions were Pretty much the same. Okay. Uh, Go posts, all that stuff was the same. Okay. Because I could sworn it looked like the end zones were slightly deeper, maybe eight yards versus versus what they should be, but maybe that was just the way that the, the pictures came off. So um, eight, eight yards is supposed to be to specs. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. It just seemed it seemed a little bit bigger, but it was just anyways. Um, you win the the head coach of the year in 2019. And then, unfortunately, you know, after so what I think John and I would honestly say was one of the best years of the Arena Football League that we can remember, where it just seemed everything seemed to be so positive. Um, you know, it was a, a great season, a great game, uh, especially where it occurred, you know, the Arena Bowl happening in, in Albany. Um, what, were your, what, what were your thoughts on the, on the 2019 season, Coach? Um, yeah, just like you said, uh, I've never heard so much positive, uh, feedback from, from our game, from where we were headed. Uh, I thought the future was bright. Um, I've got so many different people telling me this and then, you know, the arena ball was, was great with the exception of losing it. Um, I do think Albany was, you know, was a better team. Um, I just wish we'd have made a little, we had our, we had our opportunities. I'll say that mm-hmm. early in the game and just, kind of gave them away but um yeah i thought uh i didn't think this off season was gonna turn out the way it did and obviously it's very disappointing for something i've been a part of for 25 years now so um you know had to move on just like a lot of people and again hopefully down the road somebody picks it up and it, it gets started again yeah in in your opinion, because I know when we spoke with Dan Radabaugh, we asked him this question. Actually, he asked us. But what what do you think was the was the ultimate downfall this time of the Arena Football League? 
Well, I mean, I can only go by you know what I've heard, and obviously the the lawsuit from Workman's Comp uh, several years back that's got pushed away and pushed down the road, and uh, you know finally it's just uh, enough was enough, and then we're I think we were looking for another investor, and that person uh, never popped up, and you know we 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 shut it down, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. Were you were you surprised when you found out, or had you been, or had you seen the writing on the wall for a little while? No, there was no writing wall. Again, I, it was shock. Yeah. I did not know anything about this. You know that was going to happen at, at all. So it was definitely a shock to me. And um, you know, when I got the word from Jaws, uh, he told me what was going on. Um, definitely put me back in the mindset of basically '08 when I had to you know, kind of scramble around and find something because, you know, I've got a lot of people depending on me and my family and right. the coaching, the crazy coaching that we do, you know, people, you know, they, they don't understand what we go through and why it's uh it's a great job to have. There's a lot of uh, ups and downs in it. Right. Right. I get that. I get that. Uh, for those who don't know, I mean, you were hired, uh, you went, you're now back in the IFL as their, as their current head coach. Um, as of speaking, the the season hasn't started because of the the current uh, climate that's happening across the world. Um, how you're happy to be obviously to be a head coach again, and you're playing indoor football. Um, different this time around, coach, than from uh, from uh, 2010. Um, yeah, it uh, it definitely different. <laughs> Uh, man, the, the talent level and the game itself of the IFL is, whew, it's, it's a lot different. There's a lot of great coaches in this league. Um, the talent level is, is, is at the top. Um, now I think, you know, it's the longest indoor league surviving now in 13 years. So, uh, being left after arena football shut down. So, um, there's a lot of, a lot of positives, you know, in this league going on and, um, you know, hopefully we can get this thing going once the, the coronavirus is somebody's figured it out. So I need you guys to hurry up and figure out something and get this thing done. <laughs> I'm ready to get back to football. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I know what you mean, Coach. Um, I have to ask because it's, it's something that I'm not mistaken that many older arena football fans will remember. Um, uh, if you remember. I'm sure you probably do. It, uh, explain to me that infamous fourth down play that wasn't fourth down play for you, Coach. Do you happen to remember that that particular game quite a bit? You guys are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff y'all come up with. Uh, you mean when I was calling plays and coaching and doing all that on the field? Yeah, I do remember that play. <laughs> What, wait, wait, just, what do you want to know about? Uh, just re- just reference, Coach. I mean, we're not. I mean, it's 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 a part of history. When people, as I said, you have to really know the league well and have watched it to, to remember that happening. But what was it? Just just one of those things where it was just you forgot what down it was. Because I mean, if it's simple as that, it's as simple as that. But well, you, no, there was more to it than that. Uh, there was obviously uh, there was some timeouts. It was right before the half. Um, and my coaches thought it was my my old line coach and my, my head coach thought the same thing. We we'd missed the play in there um, through the timeouts and things like that. And shoot, uh, 
you know, with as play I ran many times before that, um, it just wasn't there. So I, you know, thought it was fourth down. I thought and just threw the ball away and went back to sidelines, and they're telling me, hey, uh, that was fourth down. I go, wait a second. No, that's third. <laughs> and no, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. It's, 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 I don't remember exactly who we were playing. It was at home uh, against somebody. Maybe, maybe New York. Maybe I don't remember off the top of my head. But. Oh, you know, it's it's it's, I, it's funny. I don't. I actually don't remember myself who it was against. But it's as I said, Coach, with with the type of podcast that we're, you know, the stories we're trying to tell, we just at least wanted to at least ask the question. So, <laughs> um, I hear you. Yeah. It's funny that see, to me that's not even a a thing, but in my mind, I mean, because of all that was going on with what I did, people don't even think about that. They don't know. Ask anybody else who was actually calling their own plays and running their own offense how easy that would be to do yeah. but no one ever thinks about that they just think oh, oh they botched it up i'm like whatever <laughs> um coach we, we we've i know you've been very gracious and then and talking to us about your your career in the arena football league um uh, we were wondering if if you are able to and maybe names will have to be changed in order to you know, so uh, we don't get them in the trouble. But yeah, you got any any particular story? I know you told a great one at the beginning of the show, but you got another story you might be able to tell us on something that that's remember, remember, uh, memorable to you? Oh shoot! You, you <laughs> mentioned that. But heck, I gave I gave a lot of those good ones away. I, I know. Right. I know. Um, <laughs> um, tell us a Vegas story. I, tell us a Vegas story, sure. Coach. <laughs> you know what? I'm not that guy as far as Vegas goes. You know, I'm not a, a big-time go-out-and-gamble guy. You know, we will here and there. But, you know, I I was in my own little world. If I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, watching film or playing the football game, I was playing golf with Marcus Nash and beating the brakes off of him every day. Yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah, it's just kind of – that was my other thing is, it's football and golf. If I wasn't doing football, I was playing golf. Or, I take that back, I take that back. I got into Halo. My son, my, my son's a Halo guy. Okay. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, I never played any video games besides Atari, first okay. of all. Yep. Atari is, I don't know if you guys are even old enough to know what the, oh, Atari yeah. is. It's I do one yeah. chick yeah. and one button. Okay. So, um we got to end the planet, and man, you talking about some epic, mad. You, you thought football got me mad. First of all, I wasn't very good at the beginning, so it really frustrated me not to be good at something. And you know, of course, we played it over and over again, and there were like six of us that played, and we'd play in the same room, and we'd be back to back on big screen TVs, and we would play, you know, hours upon hours, and we probably ruined the. I probably ruined a lot of controls, uh, <laughs> throwing them off the wall and things like that with my temper. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was something. Yeah, we always did something. My, me and my teammates. I think that was the biggest. You know, people don't know too is yeah. You know, a lot of people probably they, they didn't ever play with me. They just saw me as just a you know a hothead and, and things like that. I just cared about what I did, and you know, but. If you played on my team, you know, they, they knew I was going to do anything for them. And you know, we hung out, you know, at least twice a week besides football. And just I think that's what made, you know, the teams I played on, you know, a lot better than some other teams just because we, we 
we did things together. We got along, and we had a great, uh, great uh, camaraderie. And uh, I, I think it's a big part of why we were so successful. You know, the teams I played on. So, so what you're saying is the secret to winning football is Halo multiplayer. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. And we had great Chinese place we ordered from always uh, twice a week. So it was good. Mm. Yeah, I, shoot, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, coach, uh, uh, who's the uh, who's the if you were to say who was the best player you ever played with? Ooh. So many. Oh, so man, many. you're going to make me hurt some feelings. Yeah, I mean, as far as receiver, I, and Marcus Nash is, is, is it's 1A and 1B, but Terrell Shaw is probably, you know, of all the years of playing and coaching, um, the the best pure overall receiver that I ever had. I mean, and he didn't, his career wasn't overly long. He had some injuries, but, man, he was, he was tough to stop. I mean, there's wasn't much you could do to him that would would bother him, and um, he was a great one. And obviously, Nash is a different style of player, but was really good at what he did too. Uh, a big power, strong, fast guy. Um, you know, those two guys, you know, put up some great numbers over the years uh, yeah. in, in arena football. That's true. And uh, who was the best best player you ever coached? Ever coached? Woo. I mean. Dan's Dan's pretty dang good. Dan's gonna break all our all my records for sure when it was all said and done, and gonna take over all of them as well. Um, but you you gotta be hats off to Derek Ross. I mean that guy, what he did in this game for you know was pretty darn impressive. No one else had done it at running back. Now I know he was only playing running back and not playing the two way days, but that guy was was he started for me at Mac linebacker his first two games at San Angelo. And uh, had three sacks in one game. So he, he probably could have done it just as well on the other side of the ball, too. So he's a pretty good one. Um, when you tell somebody, if somebody doesn't know your career, Coach, and they say to you, well, how are you as a, how are you as a pro player? And you tell them that you threw in your career for 931 touchdowns. What would be the reaction of that, of that person? Well, if they don't know about anything about arena football, they'd probably call me a liar. But, you know, it's just the, the nature of our game. You know, we throw so much. And, uh, you know, again, longevity and the talent around me, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now, a thousand was my goal, and I, I got, got cut a little short. I guess I could have came back, and I almost did, believe it or not. And uh, uh, Pat O'Hara called me to, to come play after I had – you know, for the playoffs in San, uh, in uh, Orlando, he uh, we were about they were about to start the playoffs, and he asked me if I wanted to come come finish it off the, for the playoffs. And I said, Nah, it's not really fair to. I think Nick Hill was the, the quarterback. I said that's not fair for, for me to go down there and, and take that from him. Um, you know, when he's been there the whole season, and I wanted to, I did. I still had the to play, and I obviously felt like I could still do it. Um, but I didn't, and uh, I'm glad I didn't for uh, for everybody's sake. So that was in 2010. That yes, sir. Oh wow, interesting. 2010. Wow, that's cool. Um, again, coach, we we appreciate your time. We uh, and we appreciate your career. That's why we wanted to to, to speak with you on this episode of the of the pod. 
Um, one, one last thing we want to ask you is if, what do you want or what will you remember? The, what do you want the fans to remember most about the Arena Football League? Because if it never comes back again, how would you be able to explain to somebody what the Arena Football League meant to you? Well, I mean, it's, it's half my life. I'm, I'm about to turn 50. Um, so, and, and I'm probably going to finish my career in some type or form in the, in the AFL, the IFL, whatever, you know, the league you want to call it, the indoor game. Um, it's, it's been my life and I love it. And I probably could go be in the NFL as an assistant somewhere and work my way up. But you know what? I, this game, I owe it a lot. And, um, I appreciate, you know, the, the friends and the fans I made over the years that became friends. They started out as fans, and that's the beauty of our game. It's the, the fans and the, the players become one, you know. You don't get that in any other sport, and I think that's the beauty of arena football. Mm-hmm. Um, John, any last that's, uh, comments or questions to Coach? Funny enough that Coach just brought that up, but I was going to wish him a happy early birthday because that's uh, next Wednesday, right? Uh, if that's the 25th, that would be it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, and thanks for talking to us. I mean, I mean, we basically just went through your career and I, I loved every second of it. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate the birthday wishes. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm sure that'll be uh, a fun time uh, with family and friends. Well, Great coach. Uh, again, uh, we, we thank you for your time. We thank you for what you've done in the arena football league and, uh, we we appreciate uh, what what you've done for the league, and uh, uh, we're we're glad that you uh, are a part of the Arena Football family. Yeah, I mean it's a special club that everybody is is in that follow this league, whether you're a player, executive, whatever. Um, we really appreciate you, and uh, uh, we hope to speak with you uh, uh, very shortly. I appreciate it from our end too, guys. I mean, we we don't get recognized without guys like yourself and, and keeping it alive and. and just the stats and the, the keeping up with the game and as, as much as y'all just knew and brought up was pretty amazing. So I appreciate you guys as well. Well, Hey, we, we promised, and I think we delivered on the interview, <laughs> right, John? No doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> that was speechless. <laughs> I, I, this, the stories and I mean, hearing everything, basically his whole career, it, it was like, it was like a storybook. Yeah. And to, it was amazing. And to hear that his AFL career started off at a European exhibition is just absolutely mind-blowing considering where his career went from there. I know. Uh, just up. Just up from there. Yeah. And I said that those are the stories that we're hoping – you know, those are the tidbits we were trying to bring to you guys. And uh, we hope to do so for future episodes. If you want to listen to any of the other episodes of AFL Rewind – or of any of the other uh, archived episodes of uh, AFL Tonight, you can do so by heading over to iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now new, we are now on YouTube. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so by either at ArenaFan on Twitter or at AFL Rewind on Twitter. Um, but uh, you know, coming up, uh, again, uh, we have a couple of... Uh, a couple of episodes coming up with some some future um, interviews that, that I'm going to be doing, and uh, I hope you're going to like them. But again, please email us 
at AFL Rewind at arenafan.com to let us know who you'd like to hear on some of the future episodes of the podcast. John, it was great having <laughs> you with me this episode. And uh, I hope uh, that you and Ben can, can join me for, uh, for a lot of the future ones, obviously. Oh, yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, hey, you and me right here practicing social distancing without even trying. <laughs> awesome. There we go. There we go. Uh, obviously, uh, we hope everybody is safe. Uh, we will get through this uh, through this uh, trying time. Um, but uh, again, we just want you to stay safe and uh, uh, enjoy the uh, d- the distraction uh, of this little podcast that, that we happen to be doing. So so if everybody here at AFL Rewind for John Stark. I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net. <laughs>